Good to see everyone this morning. We have some visiting with us from other areas. We appreciate you being here. Uh, some from our own community. We thank you so much for being here today as we are going to study another portion of God's Word together. We do hope that you'll be treated in the finest of ways. We want to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you may have. This morning I have a very basic sermon. Uh, I believe that as we dig deeper into God's Word, as we're able to handle it, that we need to make sure that we do not abandon the basics. We always have young people that are growing up and growing older. We have, from time to time, weak members that need to be reassured of some of the things that set us apart from the rest of the religious world. There are so many in our world at large who do not understand what the Bible teaches on the simple subject of baptism. And so we need to continue to go back and teach it and teach it and teach it because it is one of the many subjects that sets us apart from the rest of the world. And it is also something that is clearly taught in God's Word, that being the necessity of immersion in water for their mission of sin. So you young people, uh, some of you are reaching near the age of accountability. You may already be there. Uh, for you, there's no particular uh, age that anyone can put on it. But when you get to that point where you feel like it's time for you to do something because you realize that, that uh, you're not sleeping as well at night, maybe things are starting to bother you, you're a little concerned about your life and things that you say and things that you do and whether you're obeying or not obeying, it's time to talk to an adult. It's time to say, look, I believe I've sinned and it's, it's bothering me and I need to make things right because I want to go to heaven. When you start thinking those kind of thoughts, it's time to say something to someone, uh, your parents, uh, if they're members of the church, and let people know, I need to study, I need to dig into this. And so hopefully this lesson will be one that will help y'all as well as the rest of us as we refresh our memories of the things, some of the things that God has said about baptism. And so my title this morning is simply The Why, Who, How, and When of Baptism. Our lesson text is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 where Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, those of us that have studied the Bible for a while, we realize that as you study, even in the Old Testament, you'll read about baptism. You'll read about many baptisms. For example, you, and when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he makes a reference to Moses and the children of Israel when they crossed the Red Sea. And he said in verse 2 that they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In other words, when they went through the Red Sea, they had water that was standing on each side of them, and they had a cloud overhead. And so they were baptized, that being the baptism of Moses. We read about the baptism of John the Baptist several times in Scripture. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, In those days John the Baptist 
Of course, you go on to read that he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent and be baptized, uh, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But I want you to notice the word Baptist. He's not John a Baptist, he's John the Baptist. That word, uh, the Greek word there was transliterated, which uh, translation of that word would say John the Immerser. John the Immerser. Okay, and so he came immersing, immersing people. Uh, in water. Here's an example of it in uh, John chapter, I mean Mark chapter 1 verse 4, John did baptize. It just tells you plain and simple, in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And you remember in Acts chapter 19 and verse 3, in Acts chapter 19, Paul had found some disciples of John and he asked them some good questions and one of which was, have you received the Holy Ghost uh, since you've been baptized? And of course they answered, we've not so much as heard where there be a Holy Ghost. And then John, uh, Paul knew there was something wrong with their baptism. And so then he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. Well, you remember the story goes on to say that he taught them the word of the Lord more accurately and he baptized them correctly with the baptism of the Great Commission and then they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. But we read many times about the baptism of John. You remember in verse chapter uh, 18 of Acts, Apollos was teaching the baptism of John after it had become invalid. John's baptism only lasted for a temporary uh, time, a short period of time, until the church had its beginning. And then there came a time when it was no longer valid, and these men had been baptized with the baptism that was not valid. And so we read about the baptism of Moses, the baptism of John. Here's another one, the baptism of suffering. That just means the overwhelming. The word baptize means to immerse. It also means to be, to be overwhelmed. Notice in John chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus is having a discussion with some of his disciples, and he said unto them, uh, asked them, can you... Uh, they said, we can, was the answer. Jesus said unto them, ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. Of course, they were wanting to know about their positions of rank, basically. And he said, can you drink of this cup, a uh, cup of suffering? And of course, they said, uh, and they said they could. And he said, ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. They were going to suffer just like Christ suffered. And the baptism with which I am baptized with them, ye shall be baptized. Bottom line is the baptism of suffering, they were, going, they were going to suffer, they were going to be immersed in suffering. And when we study the lives of those disciples, we learn that they suffered on a daily basis because they stood and preached what was right and pleasing in God's sight. We also read about another baptism uh, that many claim to have today, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know it was uh, something that was promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus talking to his apostles said, uh, for John truly baptized, uh, well actually it's uh, yeah, Jesus, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so that's Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the uh, Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And so the Holy Spirit came, they were 
uh, immersed. They were uh, in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. Holy Spirit baptism. Also, we read about the baptism of fire in the Bible. Mark chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist is speaking, and he says to those in his audience, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, he's not saying that the same people will receive Holy Spirit baptism and fire baptism. We're talking two different baptisms. Some would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Others would be baptized with fire. And some today claim to have the baptism of fire, but they really don't. If you study the context, you will learn quickly that that's talking about judgment and hell fire. You don't want to be baptized with fire, and so, but that was a baptism that is mentioned in Scripture as well. And then, of course, we have the baptism of the Great Commission. In Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There are several baptisms right there that are mentioned in Scripture. But when we study our text, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible says there's one baptism. Is there a contradiction here? Of course not. By the time that this letter was written, which was about 62 to 64 A.D., somewhere in that period of time, when Paul wrote the letter to the church uh, at Ephesus, at that time there was only one baptism. There was no longer a baptism of Moses or baptism of John the Baptist. There was not even a baptism of the Holy Spirit at that time. All those things were temporary and they had ceased. And so by the time that uh, Paul wrote the letter to the church at Ephesus, there was only one baptism. That's kind of strange because there are some today that say they have three baptisms. And some say they're baptized with all three baptisms at the same time. They receive water baptism. They receive fire baptism and Holy Spirit baptism all at the same time. Isn't that amazing? When the Bible clearly says there is one baptism. Well, so we want to study about that one baptism. We want to ask a few questions. We need to know about that one baptism that exists even today. First of all, let's ask the question, why be baptized? Why should anyone want to be baptized? You see, it does take quite a bit of faith, right, to be baptized, especially when you're thinking about, what am I doing here? Uh, I'm being immersed in water so that I can be saved? Does that make a whole lot of sense? Well, only if you understand God and his word, then it makes a lot of sense. But, but why be baptized? Well, first of all, Jesus told his disciples to go out and baptize those that they taught. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then he went on to say, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And so Jesus told his disciples to go out and teach, and then baptize the taught, and then teach them to observe or do the very same thing. That means you go teach others, and then once they are ready to respond, they, they hear, believe, repent, and then they confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then you immerse them as well, and then you teach them to continue. Because of that process, we are Christians today. So, why be baptized? Because Jesus told his disciples to go baptize 
those that were taught, but it's also mentioned as a command in another form. That was, but so was this. Just simply to obey a command. You remember in Acts chapter 10 at the house of Cornelius, Peter was there teaching, and as he was teaching, the Holy Ghost fell on Cornelius and his household, his friends and near kins, those that had been gathered together, just as he did on the apostles in Acts chapter 2. And then Peter asked the question, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Of course, no one would say, No, we don't think they should be baptized because they're Gentiles. Well, once you see what has just happened, that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, coming upon them, them being able to speak in tongues and all, who would stand up against that? And so the Bible then says, uh, mentions in Acts chapter 10, verse 48, and he, that's Peter, commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. That word command there is a very strong word. It's not an iffy. It's not a weak word. It's a very strong. It's a command. He commanded them to be baptized. And so one should want to be baptized because it's a command. It's, it's another good reason is to be saved. And really, you, you can't separate these in order to be saved. You know, I showed you not long ago uh, a manual that taught and really put a distinction between obeying Christ and being saved. Well, it's really, they go hand in hand. If you're going to be saved, you've got to obey Christ. And so you should want to be baptized so that you can be saved. The Bible makes this so very plain, even though many would argue with this very simple verse where Peter said in 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. Yet people will stand and argue for hours that baptism is not essential to one's salvation. How can anyone stand and argue with an inspired apostle like Peter? who being guided by the Holy Spirit. If Peter says baptism saves us, then baptism saves us. We may not understand exactly how and all the details about it, but we know this much. If Peter says baptism saves us, we know it saves us. But isn't that perfectly in line with what Jesus taught when he was on earth? Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism saves us. Is that all that must be done? Of course not. But it's something that must be done if one's going to be saved. He has to be immersed in water. He has to be baptized in order to be saved. But also it's for the remission of sins. Again, we're saying the same thing, just in different words, right? Notice this, Acts 2.38. You remember when Peter preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost and told those Jews that they had with wicked hands taken and crucified the Son of God? They cried out and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Remember, Peter answered and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. Why should one be baptized to have his sins remitted? That's so simple, isn't it? To us, but to most of the world, it doesn't seem to be that easy for them to understand for different reasons. But yet the Bible still says what it says. It means what it means. It hasn't changed. It's not going to change. Baptism was for the remission of sins in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the first Pentecost following the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it will continue to be the purpose for baptism as long as this world stands. Here's another way it can be said. 
Why should one be baptized to wash away his sins? Acts 22, 16, Paul, uh, Paul was told by Ananias, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. There's something I noticed years ago, and that is when it comes to salvation issues, God does not want us to miss them. You know, there are some things in Scripture that it's okay to disagree on. There's some things that are so deep and complicated that I may never understand. You may never understand all that's there. But when it comes to salvation issues, things that one must know in order to be saved, God stresses them. And he teaches them in his word over and over and over again. He just uses different words. He uses different illustrations. But he's trying to drive home something that man must know, understand, and obey in order to be saved. In other words, you can't miss this and go to heaven. You've got to understand it. And so... In one place he says that baptism for the remission of sins. In another place he says it's to be saved. In another place he says it's to wash away your sins. Say the same thing. Notice, it's in order to be sanctified and cleansed. I want to be sanctified. That means set apart for God's use, for his purpose. And I want to be cleansed, cleansed of all my sins. And so I must be baptized. Well, when Paul is talking about Christ and the church, he says in Ephesians 5, 26, that he, that's Christ, might sanctify, that's why he died for the church, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. By the word means authorized by the word. What does it mean to be washed with water? It's got to be baptism. Immersed in water. Not taking a bath to wash the dirt off of ourselves, but to wash away our sins. Another way it's said, in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Paul said, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration. You know what that word regeneration means? It has to do with being born again. New birth. You've been regenerated. You've been born again. How? By the washing of regeneration. That's baptism. And the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Here's another reason why one should want to be baptized and basically saying the same thing again, just in different words, uses different analogies. In Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You can't walk in newness of life until you've been baptized. You've got to be baptized in water before you can walk in newness of life and not oldness of life. That's where all that change takes place. And it is also, as Peter said in 1 Peter 3.21, the like figure wherein to baptism does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why do you want to be baptized? Because it's the answer of a good conscience towards God. You've got to enter into the body in order to be saved. 
the body being the church, Ephesians 1, verse 22 and 23. And Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, he said, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Now, he's not talking about Holy Spirit baptism, as some people would have us to believe. When he says, for by one spirit, that's like saying by the word. The spirit is not the word, but the Holy Spirit works through the word. And so he's simply saying here, by the authority of the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. We are all baptized, that's water baptism, the baptism of the Great Commission, into one body. That's the only way to get into the body of Christ, is through being immersed in water for the remission of your sins. We should want to be baptized to be born of water. And here's why. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said to Nicodemus, He answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit. You've got to be born of water and of the Spirit if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God. You've got to be born of water. You can't be born of water unless you're baptized. When you're baptized, then you're born of the waters of baptism. But also notice in this same verse, it's in order to enter into the kingdom. In John 3, verse 5 again, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You can't get into the church without being born of water. And if you don't enter into the earthly phase of the kingdom while here on earth, you'll certainly not be in the heavenly phase of the kingdom when this life is over. So why should one want to be baptized? To enter into the body of Christ. To be born of water and to enter into the kingdom, which to say being entered into the kingdom, being entered into the body, really amounts to the same thing, except they uh, talk about different nature of the church, one being the a kingdom and the other one being like a body, two different analogies of the church, I would say. And it's another way to say it is this, to get into Christ. You see, to get into the Christ, to get into the body, to get into the church, it's all one and the same. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. The only way to get into Christ is through being baptized. You can't get in any other way. You can't believe yourself into Christ. You can't repent into Christ. You cannot confess into Christ. You can't do good works into Christ. You can't pray your way into Christ. You must be baptized, immersed in water to enter into Christ, to be a part of the body, to be a part of the church, to be a part of the kingdom, and to become a new creature. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, how do you get into Christ? You're baptized, you're immersed into Christ. He is a new creature. You know, that can also be translated a new creation. You're a new man. Once you're baptized into Christ, you have put off the old man. You've killed the old man. You become a new man, a new person with new goals, new desires, a brand new life. Old things are passed away. Isn't that wonderful? All that old ugly past is gone. I want to be baptized just to get rid of my old ugly past and to have a fresh start. That's a good reason, isn't it? It's all still saying the same thing. To have your sins forgiven, have your sins washed away, 
It is said so many ways, so many times, I don't understand how people miss it. You want to you want to be clothed with Christ, you want to put Christ on Galatians 3:27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's no other way to put him on. There's no other way to be clothed with Christ than to be immersed. And people still say you don't have to be immersed, you don't have to be baptized in order to get into Christ. Or to have your sins forgiven, it's not necessary, it's not essential. Notice what else Paul says. It's to be in the likeness of his resurrection. You want to be in the likeness of his resurrection? Then uh, you must be baptized, Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. As he was resurrected, you're uh, resurrected out of the waters of baptism. And if you're faithful till the end, the day will come when you will be with God in heaven in eternity. Those that have been baptized into Christ, they're new creatures, new creations. Their thinking has changed. And so as Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, once you've been immersed and you've been baptized, you've been buried, planted, raised, he says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. People have not obeyed the gospel, they're not seeking things above. They're thinking things, uh, things below, things here on earth, and not heavenly things. Think of those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. That's the way you make it through the troubles and trials of this life. You stay focused on things above, not on things of this old world. But also, this is talking about the Pharisees and lawyers who were under the Old Testament time and they were to obey the baptism of John the Baptist. And many refused to do so. But notice what Luke 7.30 says. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves not being baptized of him, the him being John the Baptist. If it was true of them then, since John's baptism was of God, not of men, Jesus made that very plain. And the people that were under that dispensation of time who should have obeyed the baptism of John, they rejected it and therefore they reject the counsel of God. People today who refuse to be immersed in water for the remission of their sins are doing the same thing. They're not rejecting the counsel of God through John's baptism, but through the baptism of the Great Commission that has been authorized and commanded by God. And so all those today who refuse to be immersed in water for their mission of sins, they are actually doing the same in that sense as the Pharisees and lawyers and hypocrites of that day who claim to be religious, but yet they refuse to obey and submit to the counsel of God. So you don't want to do that. And then, of course, you should want to be baptized in order to undergo the operation of God. Here's another analogy. It's beautiful. God compares baptism with fleshly circumcision. And what we see in this passage is that when man is immersed in water for the remission of his sins, God performs an operation. See, it's made without hands. God does it, not man. It's something God does. 
when you come, when you go under that water, God performs an operation. When you come up out of that water, that operation has already been performed. And you know what he does? When you go under that water, that surgery that he does, he cuts away that old man of sin. All your sins, all your wickedness, all your evil thoughts, evil words, evil actions, they're left behind. And you come out of that water, as we mentioned, a new creature. Notice. In Colossians 3, verse 12, uh, 2, verse 12, the Bible says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of Christ, who hath raised him from the dead. You keep reading, and it talks about he forgives you of your trespasses, of your sins. Again, it's another way of saying the same thing. So why should one want to be baptized? To have his sins forgiven. Isn't that reason enough? And how many other ways do we need the Holy Spirit to tell us that one must be baptized in order for that to take place? Well, there are many others, but that should be more than enough. Our next question is, who should be baptized? Of course, you wouldn't baptize little infants because little infants don't have sin. They're not capable of sinning. And the Bible teaches very clearly that we don't inherit the sins of our forefathers, Ezekiel 18.20. The ones that sin will have to answer for their sins. And, and so you don't baptize babies. And that's why we don't have baby dedications in the Lord's church. We try to make sure the best that we can that our children are old enough to understand the seriousness and, and what they're doing before they're immersed. However, I'm hearing of some being immersed younger and younger and younger, and uh, we're headed in that direction if we're not careful. Uh, we'll be baptizing babies if uh, we don't watch out. And so they need to have an understanding. They need to know about sin. They need to know about what sin is and, and the consequences and, and uh you know, about God and, and different things. We'll mention that in a minute. But notice, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 9, and he said, For I was alive without the law once. Well, when was he alive without the law? When he was a little baby, when he was an infant, when he was a child. But when the commandment came, when he reached the age of accountability, whatever age that was for him, sin revived, and I died. You see, he wasn't dead at first, spiritually. But when he transgressed God's law, then he, that was sin, and then he died. And so, when that takes place, a person is a candidate for baptism. But not when they're infants, not when they're little children, because all little children are safe. When one reaches that age of accountability, when he knows right from wrong and understands what he ought to be doing, we find then the Bible teaches in Isaiah 59, verse 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You see, the bad thing about sin is sin separates man from God. And so, why, who should be baptized? Those that have been separated from God. Not infants, not those that are, uh, do not have the mental ability to understand and comprehend the will of God. They're all safe. But when you reach that age, when you understand and you know right from wrong and you have the ability, then when you sin, that sin separates you from God 
and therefore you would be in the category of those who need to be baptized. Those who wish to, be in, to enter into the body, as we've already mentioned, where salvation is enjoyed. That's who should be baptized. If you're not there, you need to be there. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. You want to be in the body. So if you're outside the body, you're one who should be baptized. Again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul's talking about the law and how that the law was uh, abolished. It was, um, that middle wall petition was broken down. He really is revealing here God's, that mystery that we read about in Scripture, how that Jews and Gentiles would come together in one body, that body being the church. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God, Christ, reconcile both unto God in one body, that body being the church. And so we ask the question, who should be baptized? All those who are outside of the body. Because if you're outside of the body, then you are separated from God if you've reached the age of accountability. Of course, we know that Christianity is a taught religion. Until one has been taught the truth, he's not ready to be immersed in water for their mission of sins. That's why in John chapter 6, verse 45, the Bible says, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. You've got to be taught. It doesn't come to you by osmosis. You've got to be taught. And then he says, For every man therefore that hath, learned, hath uh, heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. You've got to be taught. That means there's got to be a teacher. You've got to be taught. Um, I guess you could teach yourself with the Bible. Let that be your teacher. But uh, I find it be the, that it's the case like with the Ethiopian eunuch. He was reading Isaiah 53. He didn't understand the Holy Spirit told Philip to join himself to the chair and teach the man. Of course, he asked the question, you understand what you read? He said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he asked Philip to join himself, uh, to uh, enter into the chariot, and there he taught him the way of the Lord. And so we must be taught. We must hear. We must hear the word, and we must learn. And so those that have been taught are those that are outside the body who should want to be baptized. Now, from time to time, people get a little smart. They want to, okay, uh, give me a list of what, uh, everything somebody needs to know before they are candidates for baptism. You know, usually when someone says that, they're not really sincere. They're trying to make you look dumb or make uh, some point of some sort. But I know this much, there are examples in the Bible, and I'm, uh, just common sense tells you they need to be taught about sin. If they're outside the body of Christ, they need to be taught about sin. That's the real problem, isn't it? That's the real comfort, it's sin. And so 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, the Bible says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. If you want your sins forgiven, you need to know what sins are. And so people need to be taught about sin prior to being immersed. I'm not saying you have to name every single sin and define every single sin, but they need to understand what sin is. It's a breaking of God's law. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, John says, all unrighteousness is sin. Righteousness is right doing. And so unrighteousness would be wrongdoing. And God has already determined what's right and wrong. 
And so you must be taught. You need to be taught about sin. I know over in Acts chapter 8, when Philip went down to Samaria, he taught them about King Jesus before they were baptized. You want a proved example? Here's one right here. In Acts 8 verse 5, the Bible said, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. So they need to know something about sin. Acts chapter 2, what's, what's uh, Peter doing? You have with wicked hands taken and crucified the Son of God. You've sinned. Sin, sin, sin must be preached, must be taught. And then they must be taught about the Savior, about the King, King Jesus. But also I notice in Acts chapter 8 verse 12, they were taught something else. They were taught about the King's kingdom. And Acts 8 verse 12 it says, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. He preached to them about the kingdom. We understand the kingdom and the church are one and the same. It's a spiritual kingdom. Today, some people say, well, just baptize them. If they want to be baptized, don't spend all that time trying to teach them all these things. You just take them, baptize them, then you teach them later. Well, you know what? There's a lot of teaching. There's a lifetime of teaching and learning that goes on after baptism, but there are some things that must be taught prior to baptism. You see, those that make that kind of argument are the same ones that take someone out of a denomination without really converting them to Christianity. They immerse them for their mission of sins, and usually they end up being leaders in the church, and yet they still have not been converted to Christ. Or else that happens, and when they really figure out what's going on, even some want to argue that those people who are worshiping in denominations as long as they were baptized for the remission of sins, they're okay. They're Christians. Nothing could be further from the truth. There's more to becoming a Christian than just baptism and just baptism for the remission of sins. People must be taught. They must be taught about the king. They must be taught about the kingdom. If someone's in a denomination and he's been baptized for the remission of sins, but he remains in that denomination, he doesn't know anything about the kingdom. Because if he knew something about the kingdom, he wouldn't stay there, would he? He would find the kingdom. He would worship with the church of Christ. Also, you'll notice, Philip taught about the king's authority. Notice, he preached uh, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were both baptized. They were baptized, both men and women. So he preached about King Jesus. He preached about his kingdom, which is the church, and he, and he preached about uh, the Lord's authority, which we know he has all authority in heaven and earth. It's about what he says, not what we think, feel, or want. That's the way it is in the Lord's kingdom. And so I believe people need to know at least that much because that's what Philip taught before he baptized those in Samaria. But don't they need to know something about worship? Sure. John chapter 4, verse 24, God's a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Just because someone's been immersed in water does not mean they're worshiping God in spirit or in truth. Some may be worshiping in uh, some type of a spirit, but it's not pleasing in God's sight. And so that would be a list that I would give of some things. Uh, I don't baptize anyone until I've taught them about the church and what they're being baptized into. And about worship. And these basic things that I've mentioned here today. It's not just about getting them wet. 
teaching is what's so very important. So they understand what they're doing, that they're obeying the truth. Paul said, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. He also said that God sent him not to baptize but to preach the gospel. He knew the baptism would take place, but what's more, what's most important is that the truth is being taught so people can obey the truth and not some false doctrine and have false ideas. So who should be baptized? Sinners should be baptized. Those who are outside the body of Christ that want to be in the body of Christ, they should be baptized. Those that have been taught, they must be taught and taught properly. Those who believe should be baptized. You see, Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So you know you've got to be taught, you've got to believe the truth, but also those who have received God's word. If you don't receive God's word, well, nothing really matters, does it? In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, the Bible says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized. Those that took it in, those that loved it and appreciated it, those who repent should be baptized. Acts 2, 38, Then Peter said, Repent and be baptized. Those that confess, as did the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. The Bible says in verse 47, and as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know what? That man was ready to be baptized. Those are the ones who need to be baptized. Those that are sinners. Those that are outside the body of Christ that have been taught the, the necessary things that need to be taught. When they believe it, they repent of their sins. Then they confess Jesus Christ before men that he is the Son of God, they are then ready to be immersed in water for their mission of sin. So how should one be baptized? Well, first of all, in order for one to be baptized, he's got to go to the water. Acts 8 is a perfect example. When you read of people being baptized in the Bible, you read of them going to water. You can't be baptized without water. So you've got to take a very simple step when that time comes, let's go to the baptistry. Let's go to the lake. Let's go to the pool. Let's go to the river. Let's go somewhere where there's water. Acts 8, verse 36, And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. See, he'd been taught about baptism, and he knew that water was necessary. You must go where there's much water. The Bible says in John 3, verse 23, and John, talking about John the Baptist, who was immersing people, uh, also was immersing in Enon uh, near to Siloam because there was much water there. I know some translations say there was like plenty of water or lots of, lots of places with water. Uh, but the point still is you've got to be where there's enough water that you can immerse someone. Several years ago, I, there was an elderly man that wanted to be immersed and he was probably six feet something and uh, he had bone cancer and my first thought was to try to get him in uh, the tub but I knew I couldn't get his knees under if I got him in the tub and so then I thought about going to the feed store and get a big water trough and bring that to him you see he's got to he's got to get to the water somehow uh, but eventually we were able to get him in a wheelchair in a baptistry and in a chair and finally we got him uh, completely immersed but you've got to go where there's enough water to immerse someone some people have been immersed in tubs. They're small enough and 
there's enough water there that they can. Uh, but you've just you've got to go where there's enough water to get someone immersed into the water. And then you must go down into it, as we just mentioned, again in verse 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And so uh, you don't necessarily both have to go into the water. If you have a baptistry, I've seen at camp, the one that immerses the other standing on the outside of the baptistry it can still get the person all the way under. But I'll guarantee you this, if you go to the bay and you try to immerse someone in the bay, you're both going to have to go down into the water because it's too shallow. You've got to get out far enough, uh, as did the eunuch uh, and Philip, to be able to get the eunuch completely covered by water, just as our Lord and Savior was completely covered by the earth. And when you're immersing someone, uh, my practice has always been, I think it's the right practice, you watch their bodies and make sure you get every finger, every toe, every part of that body underneath that water at the same time. Now someone may say, well, what if a, a hand comes up and it doesn't, you know, you don't get everything under at the same time. Well, God, I have to deal with that. But if I see it, we're going to do it again because we're not going to take chances. Will God accept that? That's up to God. I know one thing. Our part is to make sure that there's enough water there that that person gets immersed completely and not partially in that water. We know for sure that sprinkling and pouring won't get the job done. And so it must go down in the water, must be planted in the water. As Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 5, And if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, probably all of us have planted a seed or two, maybe many, but as a general rule, when you plant a seed, you dig a little hole in the dirt, you put the seed in there, and you cover it up. When someone is baptized, that person is to be planted in the water, covered up, just like that seed. And so baptism is a burial. There's no doubt about it. It's taught in the Bible too clearly. For example, Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism. You can't put sprinkling there. You can't put pouring there. It won't fit. The only thing that fits is burial. You're buried uh, with him. Again, another place it's found, Colossians 2, verse 12. Buried with him in baptism. And so baptism is a burial, and one uh, must be immersed. That's how he is to do it. He's to be washed. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a pure heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water. That's baptism again. Being born of that water. Again, Hebrew, I mean, uh, John chapter 3, verse 5. And then you must be resurrected out of that water. Romans verse 5 we'll be in the likeness of his resurrection when he came out of that borrowed tomb he was resurrected he'd been completely covered and then he was resurrected and then here's the probably the best part of all is when you come out of that water all your sins are forgiven and so guess what you can go on your way rejoicing like never before 
Romans uh, Acts 8, verse 39, and when they were come up out of the water, talking about Philip and the eunuch, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went up, uh, went on his way rejoicing. Acts 8, 39. So, my last question is this. When should one be baptized? Well, let's go to the Bible. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. When should those people have been baptized? Well, the Bible says in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, after they had heard the gospel, they had been taught words, told what to do to be saved. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. How long does it take for one to know enough of God's truth to be ready to be baptized? Well, these were baptized in the same day. They didn't do like a lot and say, well, let me think about it. Or, you know, I'm afraid sometimes some of our studies are so lengthy we put people off for months. We put them off too long. And here the Bible says in the same day. But let me show you something else. You know the story about um, the Philippian jailer? The earthquake, fallen Silas was in prison, shackles fell off, gates opened, he was about to take his own life. Paul stopped him. He asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Notice this, Acts 16, verse 33, and he, that's the Philippian jailer, took them, that's Paul and Silas, the same hour of the night, that was at midnight, remember? I believe it's verse 25. And washed their stripes where he had beaten them. He doctored them up and was baptized, he in all his straight way. The same hour of the night. It is very possible to teach one what he needs to know in less than an hour. And them have their sins forgiven. So when should one be baptized? when one comes to a knowledge of the truth. When he realized that he's a sinner, his sins have separated him from God, and he wants to be saved, he wants to be reconciled, and he learns what he has to do in order to do that. And don't put it off. It may be that there's some here this morning. It may be that you understand the ugliness of sin. You understand how sin has separated you from God. It has alienated you from God. And you, have, and you understand that you want to be a part of the body of Christ where salvation is enjoyed in Christ Jesus. And you understand in order to do that, you, you must believe, repent, confess, and be baptized into him to have your sins washed away. And then, if you want that home in heaven, be faithful in the death, Revelation 2.10. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. You may be thinking, well, I believe I'm old enough, I'm ready, I... I, I'm a, I can't sleep well at night. Things cause me to be afraid when I think about things in my life. I think about heaven and hell, and I don't want to miss out on heaven. I sure don't want to go to hell. And you need to think very seriously about it, and it may be time for you to be immersed in water for the midst of your sins. If you're here this morning and we can assist you in any way, won't you come? Us together, we stand and sing.